Oh, get ready to step into some innovation, especially in uh, the areas of digital and social media and automotive. Now, look, it's no secret that automotive has been a huge category for radio over the past year and a half or longer. It has become, let's call it a troubled category for supply chain, COVID, other issues, of course. And on this live event, we're going to dip into automotive a little bit. We're definitely going to talk about digital and we're going to talk about innovation and how that world of automotive looks and acts with a focus on digital. Welcome to our Wednesday live event called Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Look, we're a consulting company that focuses on, uh, we, we did focus on exclusively non-media for about a decade. But now, you know, look, we've enjoyed working on everything from an app for the concert industry to reviewing strategic direction for projects of all kinds of industries. We love strategy. Today, in addition to our non-media clients, we help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotion ideas that move the revenue needle. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime if you've got a question or a problem you'd like to just have a chat about. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Please know that if you work in a non-media or non-radio business, we actually founded Rainmaker Pathway as a company that helps companies like yours get attention in a crowded world. So, where are we? Hmm. This live event, of course, is a part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available this very episode uh, soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Of course, today we are going to visit with uh, Lois... Lois Burak. And, and listen, Lois is with Local IQ Automotive, part of the USA Today Network. Before we get started with our current guest, I always like to give a little bit of a quick preview to what's coming up next week on Innovation and Audio. Of course, it's going to be February 16th, 2022. We're going to surprise you a little bit doing the digital thing with automotive. And then next week, we're going to have Thomas Bo. McDonald, president of your marketing company, they specialize in outsourced marketing and strategic planning for credit unions. And you'll love the way he innovates around credit unions and talks about customer experience. You'll want to be here for that. See our full upcoming guest calendar on our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. You'll also find right there free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our series called Encouraging Sales Success. Plus, you'll get free resources no matter who you are. If you're making your living from the radio industry today, we've got something for you and it's free for you. 
Look, we don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. So go ahead to RainmakerPathway.com later tonight or anytime and see what you can get from our team for free. Let's talk about today's guest right now. Listen, Lois has over 25 years of entrepreneurial and marketing experience. Uh, Lois Burak has learned the critical importance of true omni-channel marketing, the various levers that must be adjusted to provide each customer with a relevant and authentic user experience based on where they are in their journey toward a final purchasing decision. She was, of course, in the broadcast industry, and she's also been a, an account executive with the automotive industry. and. It is really, the story you're about to hear tonight is uh, basically she invented her own path forward. We're gonna talk about that today on Innovation and Audio, where brick and mortar storefronts were once the interface between customer and value-based offers. Today, there is a stronger tie to the role that digital marketing plays now more than ever. And I think people know that, of course, but it's probably even more so than you think. Our guest digital experience has provided clients with strong marketing campaigns and great results. The goal remains the same, of course, to create opportunities for business, and most importantly, satisfied customers. It is more important than ever that subject matter experience expands beyond just vertical marketing. It is critical to think horizontally as well. It is the diversity of experience that allows for genuinely innovative solutions. And that's why we're here after all. Lois, Welcome to Innovation and Audio and the Encouragers. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Lloyd. Well, I will tell you that introduction was amazing. I don't know how I'm going to follow it, but oh. um, I really appreciate that, you know, you've invited me here today. I'm not sure about, you know, what about my profile piqued your interest. I've heard some of your prior broadcasts and I feel very, very proud to be in such good company. Well, I think we're going to do well together and you work... I kind of knee deep in an area that that people in the radio business are very focused on and interested in, especially in this time. But look, I, I know you started in a family business, okay, which was a business that involved wedding film production, sports production, editing and processing. This is really early in your life that this happened, of course. And look, it, this is great experience. I want to know if that gave you a leg up to your real future that developed for you because, you know, you had to gain some really good experience early on that others didn't have working with film editing and working in that business in particular. Well, I'm going to date myself and let you know that my film editing experience happened back in the days of Super 8 film. But um, yeah, absolutely. I think anyone starting early in a family business voluntarily or even out of necessity, you definitely have a leg up. And uh, my, my participation in my family business uh, gave me the basic tools for what I'm doing today. And it taught me how to tell a story through moving imagery. So uh, most definitely. I think that especially applies to today's universe and leaning into the future where the metaverse is supposed to meet us and it's going to be incredible. Listen, uh, 
you kind of downplayed your experience a little bit there, but I'm going to go back and say, look, you've launched your own businesses. Uh, Did you always have such a strong entrepreneurial side to your personality and desires, or was this necessity is the father of invention? Well, it's funny that you brought that up because it's, (laughs) it's, it's really a little of both. Uh, Like let's take cold calling, for example. At a very early age, my brother and I would knock on doors to raise funds to pay for film productions in the family business. That's absolutely true. If you could, if you could imagine that and picture that, I mean, of course, yeah. unfortunately, these days, my time in the field, it, it's it's been really reduced because of COVID. But I still love to door knock and cold call. I actually um, enjoy prospecting out in the field. I enjoy hearing like the feedback. It's for me, it's it's like an informational interview every single time I leave my house. And and then of course, there was my grandfather. Now he was a huckster. Now I don't know the age of some of our listeners here, but for the younger generation, <laughs> that's like a supermarket on wheels. Uh, so I think it's in my DNA. Uh, I believe I have good instincts. And when we started in the film production business, I was also encouraging my parents to sell retail items. And I was also writing checks for for them, for the business. So I understand and understood very early on money in, money out. Oh, yeah. Listen, you touched on something very interesting there about prospecting. Uh, Sometimes we collect around us a lot of salespeople because we have that encouragement for sellers. Okay, a lot of salespeople are very wary of prospecting, especially cold calling. I wonder, Lois, do you look at something like cold calling or or even knocking on doors? Do you look at it as sort of detective work? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. It, re- it really doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's an informational interview. Um, I'm there to collect information. I enjoy collecting information because I love someone's story, whether it's the salesperson themselves or whether it's a decision maker. I just love knowing about the process of business, how it works, the mechanics of it. I, I I really enjoy going into a business, like even cold, like not knowing anyone there and being able to introduce myself and just get a fresh perspective. I, I know I'm, I must be a little kooky, but I, it doesn't bother me at all. No, I like that. And, and look, you and I share something in common. We're curious about other people. And I find that fascinating because we're getting to be uh, curious. You might call it nosy about you. You <laughs> Listen, you attended Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I want to know if that was intentional to be in the programming side of the radio business or purposeful to add to your experience and continue on your path to where you are now. Well, both my parents were entertainers and um, they had pretty colorful personalities. So I grew up around creative people like journalists and activists and broadcasters. But as an adult, I never wanted to be the focal point of anything, even within my own business. I would have, uh, yeah, I would have preferred um, to act as like an absentee owner. But I absolutely loved the production side of the business. Um, mm. But being fully dedicated to my salon and day spa for twenty-five years, I, I just never 
pursued any other career paths. I had been producing my own cable and radio commercials. Um, we were even part of uh, makeover reality TV programs. Um, and I was always praised by the production companies for how tight I ran things. I just loved building and creating content for my website and my advertising mediums. I would sit up for hours on end, you know, creating ads and creating campaigns, um, which I actually saw as a form of the entertainment industry. Right. My feeling was, was and has always been that media, entertainment, and brand building inhabits one space. And I ran my business that way, which I actually think came from my dad's love for the movie business, you know, during that that golden age of Hollywood. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Listen, you know, you developed a show and placed it on Sirius Satellite Radio. Can you tell us about that experience? Because I think a lot of people are interested in those kind of transitions. Oh, wow. Okay. Where do I start? Um, <laughs> for the sake of time, I guess I'll, I'll try to condense this the best I can. So I was told like my entire life that I should write a book about like the trials and tribulations of growing up as a child of a controversial broadcaster, that being my father. So after broadcasting school, I realized I loved radio and as you say, I could create my own path through internet broadcasting. So the premise behind the Lolo show was partly the chronicling of like my life, uh, 70s game shows that I grew up on meets like Saturday Night Live skits. So I, I, I basically wanted to show uh, how to find humor in adversity and also celebrate diversity through audio. So I gathered a team together and started the broadcast from a small independent internet radio studio in Philadelphia. It was, it was, it was funny, which we later had to move to my house, which was actually kind of cool because if you think about it, if you know my history, we kind of went full circle because my father broadcasted his radio program through a telephone line from our family home using listener contributions to fund his program. So he was ahead, I thought of, that ahead of his time. Totally, to, total pioneer. So anyway, uh, we were actually growing in popularity. So, you know, typical Lois, uh, I did something a little uh, outside the norm. I decided to reach out to Tim Sabian, uh, who at the time was the senior vice president of Howard Stern Channels, and he was also responsible for content. They were looking uh, to develop original content for the, their channel, the Howard 101 channel. And I was looking to put the Lolo show on the Howard 101. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it made sense, right? I'm, so I had several meetings with Tim and I, I can't really speak for him, but I think the timing, it just wasn't right. But, you know, we were on a roll building a following, getting press, but my team was getting really impatient. I think that initial meeting that I had with, if it, if the initial meeting that I had with Tim had never happened, um, I, I don't think uh, they would, I, I think they would not have been that anxious, you know? And I, I really have to tell you, many of the m major decisions in my life uh, that I've been encouraged 
or influenced by someone for better, for worse. Um, so in this case, I, I had to think back for this one. I think it was my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Patterson, who told me to never stop writing letters. So if I couldn't get on Howard 101, I thought perhaps one of the other channels. So I started a letter writing campaign and I sent emails to Mel Carmazan, Jim McClure, who was at the time was at the, was I think the director of programming and special projects, but it was Jeremy Coleman, who was a uh, senior vice president of talk news and entertainment program who actually replied. And he said that the playboy channel might have interest in knowing about us and that it was run by playboy. And the head was a gentleman named Farrell Hirsch. Um, so, you know, on then then here we are now we have this opportunity in front of us so on the playboy channel there was um a block of time slotted to feature a provisional series and it was called mofo podcast it was a grouping of the best broadcasts from the internet he was he was kind of way before his time because if you think about it podcasts were not as popular as they are now. They were just like considered internet radio and no one really even knew what to call it, right? I, I don't know if you remember that those days. Of course. So we broadcasted once or twice a week for the Playboy channel. But uh, I'm telling you, it just wasn't really the right audience for our show. And it, and it just didn't feel organic anymore. Um, I became known as a female shock jock. And, you know, it's funny. Um, this morning, Howard Stern mentioned on his show that he never set out to be a shock jock. And I really related that to that because he said he was just trying to be funny. And that's what we set out to do on my show. And so did the show end up somewhere else? So what ended up happening, our, our, our final end on Sirius XM, uh, we had a huge flurry of press. Um, and then all of a sudden I received a letter uh, from the MoFo creator that I was in violation of my agreement by cooperating with news sites. And that all press is to be done only with the approval of both Playboy and Sirius XM and basically to cease talking to the press. So let's just say that that was the reinforcement that I needed to end the relationship with the, with, with that initiative. Um, but so, I did continue to do my, my podcast on my own network. Very good. Well, listen, we're going to shift the subject now and move into the power of social media. I think everybody can say, look, you know, it's easy to mm -hmm. see the power of social media now. In the early 2000s, you had some significant successes creating successful development campaigns through the use of social media. How did that happen? And why did you feel at that time that social media was going to play such a large role in this area? Um, I think it was more towards mid to late 2000s. I'm, I'm really bad with dates, so you'll have to excuse me. But um, like, as we, as we know, before Facebook exploded, there was what? MySpace, right? <laughs> and I didn't waste any time creating a MySpace business account. And so I could definitely see the power of Facebook based on the engagement that I received from, from MySpace. So 
in 2009, I created a business page on Facebook and asked my staff to create profiles. And I think I really understood its power because I used every form of media to promote my business and I understood the costs associated with it. So when I built my website, I tried to tell a story through photos, posting uh, action shots, not just like profile pictures and glamour shots. Because there you was wanted just to get not, attention, right? Exactly. And, and there was just not enough bandwidth for video in that during that time. That's so true. I had to act like as a photojournalist to bring the customer through my doors virtually. And guess what? It worked. Um, you know, let's face it, it's intimidating going into a new salon and day spa, the same as it can be going in to buy a car, a customer's defenses are ups and, uh, and new clients would come in and tell me they feel like they knew everyone already. They felt like they were at home and, and just because they had visited the website and seen like this storyboard of photos. Well, that's certainly a great experience to bring to customers like that. Listen, you, you have a variety of experiences. You have experiences of voiceover uh, as an on-camera talent, marketing consultant, and even a makeup artist. This is generally something that, you know, you can look at it as an unplanned career path, except that it resulted in working for companies like Toshiba and Boeing. How did you get in these situations professionally? In other words, do you just have a, a varied curious uh, curiosity and interest? Well, I'm definitely curious. Um, I don't think I have varied interests, though, but I can definitely see how people would think think that, you know, just looking at my resume. But I just love business and everything that embodies it. Uh, I mean, after I graduated broadcasting school, I knew the path to a career as a producer at 40-something wasn't going to come easy. Well, no, wait, you, you're an entrepreneur, right? Yes. This is what you really love, correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, so look, it, it feels like you really innovated in all lanes in your life, and I know you're downplaying that. Has has that been driven by curiosity or necessity or both? You know, I think all of the above. I mean, you know, when I when I got out of broadcasting school, I just I I knew I had to build a resume. So I started to apply for small gigs. And at one time, I, I answered an ad for on-camera talent for an auto auction. I mean, I guess you could say <laughs> that that's where my career in automotive marketing started. Um, but I have a knack for building relationships, and I'm reliable, and I have a reputation for getting stuff done. So working with um, this production company in many capacity was a blessing and amazing experience. So it enabled me to work with all these companies. And I feel like I always felt like I was part of the process and I felt right at home on set. Many of these were corporate shoots and I was able to learn so much about like the internal processes and cultures of some of the most amazing companies, like you mentioned, Boeing and Toshiba. And I was working closely with their marketing departments and meeting well, and by the way, folks. Yeah, all of this is going to play a role in what's coming about your story when we get into talking about more things related to social media and SEO and that kind of stuff with automotive. Um, listen, I, you know, 
you really seem to also love the creative. How much creative is involved in the digital side of marketing? Because I mean, look, it's it's a data driven business, isn't it? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, a lot. I mean, let's face it. There's there's creative with regard to digital display and creative content and creative means of distribution. I mean, when it comes to all three things, everything worthwhile is fueled by creativity. I mean, again, let's go back to media entertainment and brand building it all inhabits one space and and of course as fred jacobs spoke about a few weeks ago because <laughs> i listened to that broadcast and i absolutely love him yes. he's he's been using data to tell a story to understand audiences like for what for how many years right listen so, he was he was on the foreground you know he started in research and he understood the power of database and how incredible that can be. So he kind of started in the data end of the pool. He's very smart. Absolutely. And, and I think business owners lose sight of the importance of using data to reach and impact their audience, their customers. Yeah. I, I mean, for example, what platforms or mediums will they place their ads? What story will they tell? I, I mean, I see dealers that are clearly missing opportunities where ad space is relatively inexpensive because they don't have the data. Um, they don't understand how to translate it and just, or they just completely ignore it. And I think a lot just, of people don't want to be bothered with data. Very they start, true. They start looking at it like they're a jury with the OJ Simpson trial. And they're like, <laughs> I don't know what this all means. I'd rather just go and buy some ads, right? Right. I know I'm supposed to be on the Internet. So here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. And look, you're really this is this is the nutshell of what I get out of talking with you. You really appear to be unafraid to get in it with people, make them feel comfortable and 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 really prospect them, but really do it by asking questions, making them feel comfortable to get to the right decisions. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. So what that says to me is, look, we can all play in the digital end of the pool. Okay. We know that we have to have the technology and, and we know that things are changing, but relationships are still key in any business relationship that you want to build trust because great brands, to me, a brand is another word for trust. And you have a brand with these people. So, so listen, you've done a lot in the areas of SEM, SEO, website development, behavioral targeting, remessaging, sponsored content, email marketing, social campaigns, especially working as a digital account executive. In your opinion, what is the key to effectively learning these areas and building partnerships that can really help others? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, so have a strong sense of self. Uh, I recommend you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you um, and be curious and listen. I love a collaborative process and there's so much to learn. And that's when the magic, you know, is made. That's where the magic is made. <laughs> yeah. I love that we got there. Okay. So look, uh, here's where we kind of turn into automotive and kind of 
kind of develop our discussion around automotive dealerships because we all know that is a changing area and it is not without, uh, let's call it some stresses and strains. You've worked with a lot of automotive dealerships and I imagine this level of experience is pretty much like no other. What is the key to handling change in the automotive industry? Because it always changes, but it seems that the last 24, 28 months have been, woo, how you doing? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> well, as an account executive in, in digital sales, I, I don't take anything personally. And I, I try to learn from rejection. Uh, because right. let's face it, you know, there's how many of companies very similar to my, you know, knocking, knocking on the doors. Um, I'd say be prepared to pivot and adapt to the dealer's needs um, and always brainstorm with your associates. Some of my, you know, best ideas um, have come from brainstorming uh, with people that I actually don't even work, work with anymore. Um, and having and using data and technology specifically made for the retail auto industry is the key to achieving success for our dealers because, you know, we have access to the auto, you know, the data that's specifically and the technology that's specifically for retail auto industry. Well, and look, even though there may be, a, I'm going to call them chop shops, you call them whatever you want, lots mm. of digital businesses who claim that they can do this, that. Yeah, I didn't say you. that. <laughs> well, no, 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 I get that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put that on you. I'm just saying, look, there's a lot of different things that you can get involved in out there. Was that fair? Yes. Okay. And everybody's not built the same. Do you consider yourself to be a leader in understanding this data, the role it plays, and how to connect up your clients, especially automotive? Oh, absolutely. Just, you know, just being a part of local IQ automotive and that's backed by the USA Today Network. I mean, that's, that's huge. Well, and that's going to be great. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to kind of talk to you about radio for a minute because, uh, uh, you know, we're in, we function in both in and out of the radio business at Rainmaker Pathway. But a lot of our clients are, are radio based and our goal is to help them build value and help encourage them to grow the value of their businesses. Radio in various companies across the United States, they're addressing digital and social. Automotive mm -hmm. is, of course, this powerful category and has been historically for radio. And you have so much experience in this area, especially with digital and social. Do you think there is a blind spot for these radio companies when it comes to digital? Are they missing something? Well, I'll talk about auto dealers and their love for, for advertising on radio first. Um, you know, they, they love radio and, and it, it makes sense for them. I mean, but in many cases, they just, they produce generic ads and they all sound alike you know, when, when I used to listen to broadcast radio in my car, I remember hearing sometimes two commercials back to back for two different dealerships. And I thought, how's a consumer supposed to distinguish the two, you know? Right. Um, and this is where paying attention to the data is important. 
Um, so, you know, they can craft the right message and combine it with search. And that's where it's really powerful. So when someone hears a commercial that piques their interest, what do they do? They, they reach for their phone or they search for that particular brand or store or item on their PC. So knowing where to place those search ads focuses on and supplements your radio campaign and can drive a higher return on the investment. Well, but, um, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Since you're my guest, I'm going to let you go ahead. I mean, well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, it's and not or you can have both. You know, That's I don't right. understand. I don't understand, you know, how you know, I, I see companies, they'll do just one or the other. Like you can have both, you know, it, it makes no sense to me. You can have your cake and eat it too. Well, no, but to, today but, you have to, you, you probably either have to have both or you should be moving in that direction. Is absolutely. that not correct? Absolutely. And, and to answer your question about radio, well, they're, they're a little slow to move too. Like <laughs> radio executives are slow to move. Um, and I also think that radio is missing opportunities to gain exposure on social media by hiring. And I think you guys, um, Fred, and you may have uh, touched on this a little bit, too, if I remember correctly. But they're, they're missing major opportunities to gain exposure on social by hiring non-traditional radio personalities. And I'll give you an example. There's a station out west who hired a TikTok creator as an on-air personal uh, personality. Now she does have radio cred. However, um, she had been unemployed, but she has a huge engaged following on her social platforms. Um, and listen, she's uh, an acquired taste for some. But let's face it, you know, so, so was Howard Stern, right? And and I think that they're just. Maybe it's out of fear. I don't know. They're, they're just afraid to introduce personalities. And I think that's where the blind spot is. Well, it's interesting because radio uh, for so many years was filled with personalities. It has become more homogenous. You know, if you did mm -hmm. listen to and anybody can uh, access that episode with with Fred and I talking about the increased importance on personalities. He does it. I do it in my business. We constantly try to build a fortress for our clients around the idea that their personalities and how they develop those personalities are important because it's telling a story. Earlier, yeah. you were talking about these car dealers and how all their ads can sometimes sound the same. But to me, that is about storytelling. And I think a lot of people, no matter what lane they're in for advertising or marketing, they oftentimes are a little bit more confused about how to tell their story effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how you build a great brand, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you feel like the work that you do, especially with automotive, allows you to take, let's say, uh, a radio customer – who is in automotive and multiply their success with digital. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, let's do absolutely hundred percent. Let's do this. I want to talk about your current role with the USA Today Network, and I, I kind of want to get in it with you a little bit and just try to understand local IQ automotive. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I mean, um, from an agency perspective, we are probably well. I, I should say we are the only auto pure play with strong ties to the community. We offer an immersive experience. Um, I really enjoy my job. I mean, partially because the leadership team at Local IQ Automotive has a long history of bringing innovative technology to traditional media companies. Um, I have a great deal of respect for our vice president, um, Jeff Ergo and his accomplishments and his leadership style. That is definitely someone who I'd, I'd love to see interview because he started cars.com. Um, and you know, I, his leadership has allowed me to grow, uh, within this company, uh, that I don't, that I, I didn't have those opportunities. Well, and you, you have more resources, right? Absolutely. You said a mouthful. Absolutely. All right. So, so listen, do you find a variety of experiences with car dealers in terms of this fear versus opportunity for them when it comes to storytelling and digital and your business and digital and social? It's bound to be different things that you see and some people have more fear than others, right? Yeah, I think um, in many cases, uh, auto dealers were early adopters in digital. Um, before there was really a lot of data to share and there were a lot of, I don't know, I, I, I hate to refer back to what you called them earlier, but there were some companies that, you know, just couldn't really provide uh, the proper guidance when it came to digital. And I think there's a lot felt, of things that clients can stumble into and yeah, not I'm under to be politically correct here. Yeah. So, so listen, I mean, look, we know this. If, if you're in sales and everybody is in sales, you will, you will find clients have a variety of experiences and things that they like and they oftentimes will not understand the depth of experience and who they're dealing with or what the difference in capabilities of different companies are, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the solutions that we provide are, I mean, all of these solutions are so incredibly similar. So I completely understand the confusion, you know, and just, you know, the, the lack of desire to investigate it, you know, further when, you know, you've got, you're trying to make, you know, your end of the month numbers, you're trying to look for inventory, you know, you just, <laughs> you just don't, you know, have the time sometimes to really dig deep. So, right. you know, I, I understand it. I can understand it because like, you know, I'll go into a dealer and they'll tell me, oh, well, we have that. Like, well, no, you have something like it, but you don't have this, you know? So, so it's it can be difficult. Well, and listen, it's understandable, right? I mean, we face this when we talk to new clients who are really just overwhelmed 
with trying to keep the lights on, trying right. to keep exactly. things moving. And like you said about car dealers, they're trying to make their number, man. And they're right. just like, they're just like, I got to put this fire out. I don't have time to think about these details and this other stuff. So they just want it simplified. And sometimes they miss, and it's our job, right? Mm-hmm. To try to make it easy for them. That's what we do at RPC with our clients. Now, now let's talk about car dealers again for a minute because let's talk about the real world that they live in. They have faced a lot of challenges, especially here recently. Not that they haven't before, but come on. I mean, COVID yeah. has put a, a, a head knocking on a bunch of people. Yep. And, you know, I'd like to say the 21st century is not for the faint of heart, baby. <laughs> so, you know, it appears to me that car dealers have pivoted well, or at least it looks like they do this well. What does innovation look like for their business and marketing in particular? What does innovation look like for them? Because they have well, to change. Yeah, what what I'd like it to look like. <laughs> okay, okay, I let's mean, talk listen, about that. Listen, the industry has not caught up with technology. Um, I'll I'll use this as an example because I just, as you said earlier, I'm so passionate about this. Let's take video merchandising, their inventory, for example. Um, there is lesser technology that's representing themselves as video out there, and it's it's not doing the dealer any good. And, and listen, I don't want to make it make this sound like a commercial for local IQ automotive, but I can help dealers uh, by ordering a dealer scorecard analysis to help with market share and advertising spend just to start. And, and that's like an in-depth report. And listen, we're not there to sell a product, but we analyze data. And if, if I may brag a little, like I said earlier, you know, we have an advantage because we also control a large share of the market with a tremendous reach and frequency. You know, we are the largest media company in, in the U.S. So, you know, there's there's a tremendous advantage um, uh, there. So, but it's it's a little frustrating because I see dealers and and what they and what they can be, what they could do with a, a, a superior video product and mm-hmm. they just you know they think okay well i have video but there's a lot of different types of video you know there. you know lois uh uh people are um people are stymied or stopped by what they think their capabilities are yes. or what they think they can accomplish over a short period of time, right? And everybody wants what? Results right now. Like, can you, how do you give me results right now, right? Because for car dealers, it's got to be about what? Get them on the lot. Yeah, yeah. Get them on the lot. Those cars, move that metal. Get them asking questions. I want to center on this because your story all the way back in the beginning, when we talked about the family business and, you know, you kind of poo-pooed the idea that you had this video experience, but way back then, you did. And that is really huge. I wonder if, if you can address this video is absolutely huge, isn't it? Try to, try to help us understand the value of video when it comes to consumers. Well, first of all, I, I just can't believe 
how many dealers are not using a 360 full motion video to merchandise their inventory. That's that's key right there. And I really, I have hope that this is gonna change. The data is clear that winners will achieve a great customer experience. That's what it's all about. That's what it's gonna be all about. And that starts way before the customer walks through the door. You talk about, you know, their ultimate goal is getting them on the lot. Well, you can't even really say that anymore because we're seeing customers making their decision to buy completely online. So wait, a minute. wait, wait, wait. But you know what that is, right? That means the car lot has moved. Yes. It's still Your a car virtual lot. showroom. You have right. to, it's a virtual right. showroom. Right. So ensuring a great customer experience is no longer about that meet and greet in the showroom or what pastries you're serving in your waiting room. Let's face it, the most powerful search engines are Google and YouTube. And Google owns YouTube. Both platforms are driving video content. You know, it's if you if you if you know about search terms and and in YouTube alone, one of the most frequently searched terms in automotive are reviews and walkarounds within yes. the YouTube platform. That's within the YouTube platform. Like people That's think, right. oh, nobody goes to YouTube. Everybody goes to YouTube. You I just don't even realize you. you're doing it. Right? right, right. And dealers should make it simple for customers to find them and give the customer the information that they're looking for. That goes back to the customer experience. So part of our package includes an automated optimized library of your of their inventory on YouTube for, for that maximum SEO value. I mean, you know, I, I hear dealers, you know, talk about, oh, well, I could still, well, right now, yeah, they could, they are, they're selling cars with, not even a picture, you know, mm -hmm. because supply and demand is as as forced. But that that'll happen. change. That's that going to change, right? You bet. <laughs> so you know, let's face it. Twenty, I don't know what it was. Twenty, twenty-five years ago, auto dealers what they only posted one photo on their website, yeah. and then eventually it got bumped up to what maybe twenty, thirty photos. There just wasn't enough bandwidth to support video at that time. So eventually what then they started to do, you'll probably remember this is stitching together the pictures <laughs> to mm -hmm. create like a simplistic video. And that proved ineffective, but you'd be surprised how many dealers that still have that. And they'll say to me, Oh, I have video. It doesn't work. Well, okay. So let me tell you a simple story that I think applies directly to your business. And I often like doing this by taking people completely away from the subject we're talking about, but telling them a story that directly relates to them. So mm -hmm. we're going away from automotive for a minute. We're going away from you for a minute, but we're going to talk about this work that you do. And I'm going to do it in a weird kind of way. Okay. Okay. So my wife, I wanted to take my wife and show her that amazing water down in the Caribbean, you know, that aqua looking color. Mm -hmm. And so I booked her, we waited a long time to do our honeymoon, probably too much information for you. But <laughs> I'll just say we did that. And I took her to St. Thomas. Okay, nice. the water is beautiful down there. Our neighbors next to us were often the poorest people in the neighborhood that we live in. So they told us, they said, oh, we go down to, to St. John twice a year. We're like, what? 
Mm-hmm. And and so they said, here's what you do. Call this guy or, or or get on the internet and find him and make a reservation. He will take you on a tour of the entire island of St. Thomas. We got there and he had this truck and it had all this cushy room. It was great, man. And we went on, I guess we got about halfway through the tour. And, and I'm the kind of person, like we talked about, I'm curious. So when we took a break, I walk over to the guy that's running the tour and I just thought I'd ask him a few questions. I said, man, this tour is fabulous. How'd you get your start? And he goes, well, you know, this happened. And he starts telling the story. He goes, I used to have 19 trucks. I said, oh, you used to have 19. How many do you have now? And he goes, I have two. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't understand. He goes, well, I can explain it to you. He goes, these big tour companies came in and they started to use the internet and data. And what they would do is tourists who would normally come to me can't even find me. They can't find me. They find these other companies and I had to sell off all my trucks to them. That's the real story of a car dealer Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand the power of video, doesn't understand the power of SEO, doesn't understand that there are levers being pulled. And you see this all the time, Carbana and and others who are really putting their nose in your business, so to speak. This is a part of that change, isn't it, that's coming to everything. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dealers have had to jump on online retailing, um, but it doesn't just stop there. You know, customers, first of all, like you mentioned a good point, you have to be found. I mean, I have dealers that have tons of uh, aged inventory. No, no, you have to be found first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, I see dealers with tons of aged inventory on their lot, and it's just, you know, they... It can't be found, you know, that particular car. And the answer is, oh, well, I'll raise my price. Well, you know, you might be able or I'll lower my price. Well, guess what? You may even be able to get the higher price if the person looking for that vehicle can actually find it. Well, and you always wonder in those situations when you have aged inventory, doesn't that suggest there's a problem? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So listen, let's talk about your vision for the future as more and more distractions come to consumers and auto dealers face more diverse challenges than ever gaining and retaining customers. Because that's really what it's about. If you and I were in the concert business, it'd be about putting butts in seats. What's it about here? It's about selling cars. Mm -hmm. So- what do you see the future looking like for successful car dealers? Well, again, you know, my hope um, is that they'll get on board with the merchandising through video and um, they'll experiment a little with uh, lower costs, uh, you know, advertising methods uh plenty of digital like youtube for example um right now uh there are about a thousand plus dealers using um this video technology that that we provide and we anticipate that those numbers um will grow exponentially by the end of this year Mm -hmm. um you know our product is just so different than 
uh, the competitors that started just taking pictures, like, of course, you know, they yeah, used to right. take pictures and they uploaded. So now they think they're taking video. But it's so different because we actually offer a dynamic video player with interactive components that are proven useful to customers. No, wait a minute. This goes back to customer experience, customer exactly. experience, right? And, and I, I, yeah. And I think many not just dealers, businesses are losing sight of that because they, they keep focusing on, you know, the customer experience once someone's inside the dealership. But now part of uh, the experience is that, that journey that gets them there. And, you know, we have these really, this, I really get excited about this. We have these really cool tools that make it, a, make, make it available for, a dealer staff to create content and distribute it on YouTube, on social, and directly to the customer. And I'm like over the moon with this tool when I get to train or sell it. I just, I, you can ask anyone who I've already sold it to. Like I go in there, you know. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, but I mean, because I worked in automotive sales training and during that time I noticed Every dealership had maybe one team member out of, you know, the whole bunch that used social media to their benefit. And we all know how important content creation is, right? Yeah. So these tools, these video tools, um, all through your phone, make it easy and fun to get a dealership's entire team on board uh, to create original content and and building on their YouTube channel because experience, that's going to be experience, huge. Experience, experience. We yeah. talk about this all the time. I talk about this with my radio clients. The more uh, frustration that consumers have, listeners with radio yes, stations have, <laughs> looking for what they're looking for, they have trouble finding it on your product. Yeah. But what happens is they fall away from you because they're going to struggle and they're going to go find what they want. This yes. is customer experience and it works in every single lane. I do want to point out that you used a powerful word that has to be a part of the story, which is experimenting. It's mm -hmm. all throughout your story, Lois, where you talked about, I'm unafraid to go knock on doors. I'm unafraid to have conversations. I'm unafraid to look at prospecting as asking questions. Experimenting is pivotal in the creation of innovations. Why Absolutely. we do this show is to encourage people and to talk about what creates actual innovation. And it experimentation has to be present. Um, and this is certainly true in automotive or any category. I want to thank you, Lois, for oh, joining us. For, listen, for joining us on Innovation and in Audio, I hope you'll stick around for a, a few minutes in case somebody from our audience has a question Absolutely. or two for you. Uh, that sounds good to you? Sure. All right. Listen, if you've not described, if you've not subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We already have a growing archive of shows for you, and you won't believe what you'll hear that can improve the value of your career and, and your innovation.
While you're listening to this event live, make sure you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we're doing with friends in radio, audio, and people who are into experimentation and innovation because we have weekly events for those people. Find out what our guests are talking about every single week, including ways we can help your career become better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. And of course, those are available on demand anytime. We actually have two podcasts and we make those available so you don't have to miss anything. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast are both on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We're going to open up the room for questions here for Lois, in case you've got some questions for her, all you have to do is push the button at the bottom of your screen. It's got a little hand raised up, looks like a notepad or maybe an iPhone or an Android device. Once you do that, it will indicate to us that you want to come up on the stage. I do want to point out to you that there are multiple ways you can ask questions. A lot of people don't want to come up and do the public speaking of asking the question. You can send me your question through the IM system in Clubhouse. That can be done right here in just a few seconds. Save this date and share it with anyone associated with the broadcast industry or audio revenue in any way. April 14th, 2022. Uh, this event is going to start just like tonight, sharply at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And of course, that is our next exclusive sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming Q2 sales exclusive event, Getting Higher Sales in a Crowded Market. More details are coming on this event later, but listen, in case you just want to know what are these events like, these quarterly sales exclusive events, you don't have to wait. Uh, we have an event called the 2022 Sales Liftoff, which was our Q1 event available for you right now inside both of our podcasts. You can get them uh, at the, on the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com or subscribe to either of our podcasts to get this as a part of our archives. Speaking of what is coming, don't forget every Monday, join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally on Clubhouse. Uh, of course, I need to let you know in the coming weeks, we've got some really exciting things for you. First of all, on Valentine's Day, we have, I think, probably about 12 to 13 guests for you that will give you an opportunity to hear advice on your career, advice on sales, advice on programming. And then we have two what I'll call head knocker experiences coming from the sales arena. February 21st, Jason Metter will be here, the vice president and general manager of Cox Media Group in Orlando, Florida. You think he knows something about revenue? I guarantee you he does. Also on February 28th, Joel Oxley, Senior Vice President of the Washington, D.C. combo of WPOP and WFED in Washington, D.C. will be here. If you know anything about revenue, you know that that dude is tuned in. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, and specifically radio. They can get our free resources anytime at RainmakerPathway.com. Uh, right now, I do have a couple of questions for you, Lois that come from our IM section. It looks like you've done a lot of things in your career. 
what has been your favorite turn that's involved innovation in your career? Lois. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm sorry. What was the question again? I oh apologize. my goodness. Well, this person <laughs> says, look, you've done a lot of things in your career. What has been your favorite turn in innovation that's involved innovation in your career? Right. Oh, that's involved innovation. I guess right now would be this video product. That, right. uh, yeah, I absolutely love that. I mean, the, um, the ability to send personalized messages within an actual walk around video. I, I, I'm like over the moon when I, it's like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm like a, a, a geek when it comes to selling that. So well, we I, I guess that would be that. We know that video has been provocative for a long time and you just look at the numbers and people talk about the metaverse and a lot of people don't understand it. I think 37% of the population understands where this might be going. And by the way, something isn't an innovation until people really embrace it. Mm -hmm. But I will say that experiences are important and being more immersive with your customer is a powerful idea. Here, here's another question. This is going to be a little more challenging for you. I'm almost trepidatious about asking it. Uh, but here goes. Do you find it's been challenging to be a woman in business dealing with car dealers? Um, I could see why somebody would think that. Uh, but for me, no. Uh, because I, I just – I. I don't let I don't let much bother me. So no, not for me. But I could definitely see where, you know, some would would find that to be true. Yes, I, but not def I, I definitely appreciate you uh, uh, getting clubbed by our questions. Of course, we <laughs> listen. We do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to Lois for being our very patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which will be available this episode in just a few minutes if you want to listen back to it, if you missed something or you want to hear something again. We want to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share our podcast. We have two, Dose, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. Both are available on Apple Audio. Audible, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything from tonight, please keep this in mind and remember it. Be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of Innovation in Audio with the Encouragers, and good night.